hey, you're listening to Chew On That, and here's what we're chewing on today. And from those characteristics, the formula was formed. Loving people with a love that doesn't depend on them loving us back. But that formula would be tested in Paul's life almost immediately. I want to talk about that in a message we're calling The Decision. Welcome to Chew On That. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church, uh, and you're joining us for a podcast where we break down uh, the most recent uh, sermon in the series uh, that happens at LC Green Bay. Joining me today is my very good friend, Keith Art... Archer Quet. Quet. I didn't know if it was like a French version. Is there a French... I don't, th- I, I don't think so. I don't think so. It'd be cool if there were a French version. So it's like Marquette, only it's just Archiquette. Archiquette, yep. Yes. Yep. A anyway. lot of people say Ket. I, uh, I gave up correcting them. Right, so Quet. Quet. It, Quet. Truly, yeah. Right. But again, like two people I know call me by my real last name. Okay. So. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> I don't know how many people you know. Keith, Keith's been here for a while. He does just about everything uh, here at church. He's been such a great addition. But uh, maybe, Keith, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I came to Life Church uh, five years ago now. Um, me and my wife, uh, at that point, had just had our first son, and um, we wanted to uh, raise our family in the church. Um, me and my wife both were raised Catholic. Uh, both went through confirmation. Did did um, did the I think the very normal thing to do in in the Green Bay area. Mm. Um, which is uh, the Catholic, the Catholic religion. Um, but at that point in time in our lives, we, uh, I think we're looking for a family. We're mm-hmm. looking for like a church family. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think we knew that at the time, but when we, uh, we started church shopping and, um, the second church we came to was life church over mm-hmm. at the SC Graham building. Sure. And, um, within five seconds of walking in the building, I knew a handful of people already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were going to try other churches after that, but, uh, we just never did. Mm. Um, so that was the 4th of July weekend, um, five years ago. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And so then you went from just attending, uh, to getting more involved in kind of volunteering. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well right away, the first few people I knew, um, uh, his name was Jacob. He said, Hey, I need you to meet somebody like literally first five seconds. I walked into the building and, um, he introduced me to pastor Jonathan and Jake, Jacob said, this guy can play guitar. This guy can play bass. Uh, you need him for the band. And so, uh, just a couple of weeks later, um, after, after the vetting process, yeah. uh, I was, I was in the worship team. That's so cool. Yeah. But then at that time you were also running your own business. I was uh, video production. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I've been a professional videographer and video editor for, uh, eight years. Mm. Um, prior to that, I worked in the music industry for a decade. I was gotcha. in a touring band, um, uh, did a lot of shows, did a lot of recordings. Um, I was a songwriter then out of Nashville for a year after I was done touring and, uh, which was great. Met a lot of really cool people. And then I, uh, I, I, I knew the longevity of that probably wouldn't hold up. So I went back to college, um, in my late twenties and, um, I wanted to still have the use the skills that I had known uh, as a touring musician and a professional mm-hmm. musician. And, um, so I went for video, uh, video editing and it's, it's really the same thing. Uh, it really is uh, a lot of the fundamentals still apply. So I went to school for that and, um, started my own studio and then I ran, uh, another studio on top of that. And then mm-hmm. I mentored under uh, a really good video editor locally. And so I was, I had a lot of, a lot of balls on the court there, mm. um, worked for the, uh, NBC 26 for a year, got wow. a lot of great experience doing live sports there. Um, and then, yeah, I came to life church, uh, uh, professionally on the staff, um, about a year and a half ago. That's awesome. That's awesome. What, apart from knowing people, what was it about life church that, that resonated with you that made you feel like I want to, I'm, I'm all in on this. Yeah, sure. Um, well, the other churches I had been to, and I was saved at a church, very similar to Life Church. Um, I was saved, uh, uh, weirdly enough, the 4th of July weekend hmm. in uh, 2002. Um, but all those, the other churches I'd ever gone to, I was always kind of like a face that just walked in and I walked out. Yeah. You know, and even like I, as quietly and silently as I was trying to be noticed, like, hey, just someone say hi to me. Yeah. Um, that just, it just never happened. And that's fine. Um, that's fine for that moment in my life. But I knew something was different when I walked in here and like people wanted to know me, you know, like, Oh, Hey man, who are you? Yeah. And it just felt like, uh, uh, it felt like a large group of friends gathering on a Sunday. 
and um, and it's still it's it's still it still did and it still does. Uh, this this church is you know I, I say it w- with the creative team on Sunday mornings. You know Sundays are are when I I get to just have a party about Christ yeah. with my friends. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the beauty of this. Yeah, that's so cool. Tell me more about like. Um, like how you came up and your upbringing and like what you thought of faith early and all that stuff. Sure. Um, well, I never, I never denied that there was a God. I, I, it was always, I don't think a singular person ingrained that in me. Um, but I knew there was a God. I just, I, for in my childhood, I didn't believe he wanted anything to do with me. Hmm. Um, I had some rough patches as a kid. Some bad things happened to me. Um, I became addicted to drugs and, uh, drinking at a very early age. Um, and all those things compounded onto each other to, to say, yeah, there's, there's probably God, but what would, what would he want for me? Mm. You know, what would he want to do with me? Um, I found Christ in a rehabilitation center when I was 19 years old, uh, that I'd went, um, the court told me I either had to go into 28 day inpatient treatment or go to jail. And I picked uh, treatment because I could smoke cigarettes and there was real milk. <laughs> and uh, on the third day, I, I found Christ looking at a mailbox that was across the street. Um, I wish there was like this story where I could say that these, there's bright lights. And, yeah. and he came down and said, hey, but he didn't. Um, I had prayed the last time I got arrested. I was in a car. I was a passenger in the car. And, uh, I, I, I resorted to prayer, you know, that when, when you've reached your rock bottom mm-hmm. and you can't dig any further, your last resort is prayer. Right. And I, I did that. And I, I remember distinctly the words I said, I said, God, just get me out of this. And, uh, I, I had no idea that he answered that prayer by putting me through the next six months of my life mm-hmm. going in and out of, yeah these things. And he answered my prayer. I've been clean and sober since, uh, April 28th, 2002. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Christ, Christ has, he has not only healed and saved me, but he continues to baffle me with the things he keeps blessing me with and the responsibilities he keeps yeah. trusting in me with. Yeah. Mm. I love that. That's a good testimony, Keith. Mm. Mm. So your sobriety is old yeah. enough to vote. It is. It turned 18 this year. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal, man. Yeah. That's exactly the terms I said on April 28th. Yeah. A few people that I, I've done recovery with since day one, you yeah, can vote now. Yeah. It can enlist in the army. Right. That's <laughs> fantastic. Thanks for sharing that with me. I appreciate that. So, but like I said, the reason we're here is to talk about Sean's message. So let's just listen to that first sound clip just now. But in spite of that fear, Paul presses on because the promise of resurrection eliminates the fear of the persecution he was facing right then. So even though Jesus gave his life and Paul was willing to give his life, these church people are looking to go back to these old Sadducee ways. I love here how Sean talks about the promise of the resurrection and that makes anything that we're going through here worth the effort, Mm. worth the trouble, worth the pain, worth the sorrow, worth everything. And I feel like, um, you know, we, we've kind of, we've kind of lost that in our faith culture where like, we feel like we deserve to feel good now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that should be the benefit. But like, like yeah. neither Jesus nor Paul promised that, right? you know, that they never promised that great things were going to happen to you, mm-hmm. you know, but I feel like for me. I mean, I love my life. Mm-hmm. It's not always easy, but I know that I'm never in it alone. And that's the difference, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, well, I think the basic fundamental of, of anyone's, why are we here? Question is based on that. Yeah. Like, why are we here? Um, the Bible tells, tells me that this is going to be the worst of my existence. Earth, right? Earth was going to be the worst of my spiritual existence. That um, on that day when I get called home, um, that's when life begins. Right. This. And why are we here? 
I, I'm a believer. Um, and it makes sense for me that we're in a battle of good, good versus evil. Mm -hmm. We're in a continuous battle slash story of God wanting his friend back. Um, you know, as he cast Satan down, you know, uh, Satan at one point was, was someone that God loved, God made. Yeah. It's his child. I wonder, you know, that, that moment when you cast away a child, you know, are, are, has, has mankind just not been in the midst of a redemption story this whole time? Yeah. You know, could he, could he, could he just like end Satan? Absolutely. He's God. At any given second, this thing right. can just be done. But it's like he keeps waiting because of that love, because of, right. of grace for his friend, for his child to come back. Right. Yeah, I dig that. And I dig the idea that, that, that we're in this battle of good versus evil. But like when I was a kid, that meant, like I just assumed that I was on a team of good, mm. right? And we were out to defeat and suppress and overcome evil. Like... But the older I get, the more I realize that this battle between good and evil is like within the framework of myself, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it's, it happens within me. I've got to overcome the evil that's in me. Like I'm not, yeah, like I'm, I'm not, I need to be confident in the goodness that Christ is in me so that I can share that good news with other people that they can have the goodness within them. They, that they themselves can't be made good, that they can't make themselves good, I guess is what I'm saying. Like you, you can't overcome evil on your own, that it's only through the grace and the strength of God and the friendship of the Holy Spirit and the partnership with Jesus that that way we can overcome evil. That if we try to overcome evil on our own, thinking that, I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying. I just feel like there's enough that's happening within me that I don't, like, I don't know that I'm defeating Satan. Yeah. I don't know. <sighs> That's, it's the, it, I, the question, I mean, it's the first one. So you probably could have made that the last question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this big, I mean, that's, that's what I got from that. Yeah. Is why are we here? Yeah. And if not for that, for God, for spreading, spreading the gospel, I don't know. The world becomes a lot scarier and a lot more hollow and empty if it's not for God. Hmm. Yeah. If we're just running amok and any given day, anything can happen and it's all for nothing. And when our time here on earth is done, we just log off like a computer and boot down. I don't know. That's yeah. why would, why would anyone want to wake up then? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Without purpose. Without purpose. That's good. So Paul says, if there's no resurrection, let's just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. But don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company, it corrupts good character. Think carefully about what's right and stop sinning. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they'll be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness but they'll be raised in strength. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It'll happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who died will be raised to live forever. And those of us who are living, we're going to be transformed. Well, there you have it. Yeah, right? I mean, that's the answer to question one. Mm -hmm. You know, my um, my dad, he's 87. He's going to be 88 in a couple of weeks. Um, but he's uh, he's got dementia and they've moved him into hospice now. And so, you know, the prospect of him, you know, even making it to his 88th birthday is in, is in doubt. And so, you know, you know, this idea of being transformed just resonates more deeply with me right now. Like I know that my dad's not the first dad that's going to die or has died ever or whatever else, but he's my first dad that's ever going to die or that's in the process of dying. And 
you know, I never thought as much about the transformation or how we're going to be changed as much as I do now when I think about my dad. Like I, dad was a football coach. He was a salesman. He was a worship leader. He was a deacon. He was just like this powerhouse, you know, and uh, this week I went to see him and he has not been eating because he didn't really care to eat. And, you know, he's just so little, like he's just so little. And, you know, for most of my life, he was larger than life, mm. you know? And like, I want him to have that body back. I want him to have his calves back. He had these giant calves, you know? And now he's got like these little spindles, you know, that are purple and, Anyway, I, and so when I think about that, I, I think not just about my dad and like us just being sick or us being, you know, broken, but just about like, so I, I wrote, there was a, a post I made about my dad and I said, you know, while the numbers here, you know, those days are getting short, right? That I can't even begin to count the number of days that we'll have together on the other shore, you know, like, and like, I need that right now. Like, I need, you know, countless days on another shore with my dad, you know, with my family, with the people that I love, but more than anything with Jesus, right? Like, I feel like, because I also posted this week, sorry, it's not about my social media, but I also posted this week this, this uh, painting that some dude or a photo that some dude had made where he, like, compiled a bunch of artistic renditions of Jesus, most of them, you know, European. Um, but then also like including like the Shroud of Turin, whatever you believe about that, but just like, you know, and there's this like dude that looks like a, like a really kind Mid-Eastern Aaron Rodgers, right? I, like, I saw that picture. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I want that guy to look at me, right? Mm-hmm. And like say, well done, mm-hmm. my good and faithful servant. You know, like I just, I want, I can't imagine the relief of that, mm-hmm. you know, and the, you know, but that's not how I grew up. Like I grew up thinking like I better stay good because otherwise I'm going to go to hell. Like it wasn't, it wasn't positive reinforcement. It wasn't positive conditioning. It was like, stay good or you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. You're going to burn forever. And I, I mean, that's, that's crappy parenting and that's crappy Christianity. I think just to like do something. So you stay out of trouble. Isn't the reason to do things. And the Bible doesn't, you know, the Bible doesn't say over and over and over again, do good. So you stay out of trouble. The Bible says over and over again, do love. Mm-hmm. Right. And everything else will take care of itself. If I could just love everything else will take care of itself. That's how I understand it. Yeah. You know, I might have it wrong. And if you're super hyper theological or whatever, and you want to write in or whatever and tell me how I got it wrong, <laughs> that's fine. You can try. But I'm just convinced that I lo- if I love God with everything that I've got, and if I love my neighbor with everything that I am, mm. and I try to show and tell people as much as I can who Jesus can be to them, then that's my ticket to ride. Mm. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first off, I'm sorry that you know you're coming to the end with your father. Oh, that's thanks. um, that's that's. It, nothing anyone's going to say is going to make that feel better. Right. Right. But, um, know that I'm sorry for that. Thanks man. Because I don't want any of my friends to have pain. Um, but I, I loved how you described him to me. I've never met the man. I, I might never. Yeah. Um, but you described him with such passion and, and the good things he's done. Yeah. You know, not, not a lot of, not a lot of things that I would say us as a society, think are important today. Um, those are really none of the things you described your father as, right. You know, so that's a good perspective that, um, I, I, I work to be a good dad yeah. to my two kids Yep. work to be a good husband. And, um, I bet you if I do those two things, everything else is going to square itself up, you know? Um, yeah, if you if you threaten somebody, it's you're probably not going to get the exact response you want. Um, and I've always been the type of person that if you say don't don't do that, I've always tended to do that. So yeah, you and me both. Um, yeah, I don't know. I lots unpacking what you said. Um, 
And on a side note, uh, the, yeah. the picture. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think. I think God for me is gonna. When I meet Christ, I think He's gonna look exactly like I expected Him to. Yeah. You know, not because that's what He looks like, but because He knows that's what I think He looks like. Right. Um. So I, I too, am looking forward to that. Uh, most every action I do is with the intent to, at the end of this, that Christ says, "Job well done." Head on in. Yeah. Um. I I feel, um, I feel ashamed on those moments when I don't live up to, to that, uh, which is I suppose different than if you do bad you'll go to hell. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I definitely have remorse now as an adult, um, who's read the Bible a couple times, and who's tried to live the principles the best I can. Um, when I come up short, that's that makes me sad. Um, but I'm not perfect in any regards. My primary uh, prayer every day is, God, just please disclose the the will for me, and then give me the power to carry it out. Uh, when I make when I make wrongs, I I I try to right those immediately. Um, I don't know when I read the Bible, and I read it every day. And I'll tell you, every time I read a, a like Acts, I've read Acts a lot lately time I read it, I read it differently. You know, something else stands out. Yep. Um, so who, who knows, you know, I probably have the whole darn thing wrong. Right. Um, I, I don't think I do though. Yeah. I think God's giving me exactly what I need in those little tidbits, um, at that moment in time. And the next time I, I do another pass on it, something else is going to stand out. That's going to be relevant for me in my, in my, my journey. Um, it's a great mystery. You know, I, I, I try and study the Bible. Um, but truthfully, I'm, I'm probably a pretty big novice at it. Yeah. You know? And I think that, I mean, I love that because I feel like that should be the position that we take. Like, I, I feel like taking the position like, Oh, I've got this. Oh yeah. No, I totally understand. Like, let me tell you what I know. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that goes in conflict with everything that it says in the Bible. Right. right like, right. and so you know, and I love the mystery. I love that you said that because I, I feel like, boy, if I can figure God out, I mean, yeah, how much of a God is that? Yeah. That I've got all figured out, that I can fit within the box inside my head. You know, now I've got a God that I feel like I can control or that I've created or that, and I don't want anything to do with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I want a God that I can't explain. I want a God that makes me wonder. I want a mm-hmm. God that, you know, surprises me, you know? And I feel like, you know, when it comes to this thing about, you know, being good or not being good or sinning or not sinning, like, I'm not saying there's not sin. There's totally, absolutely, and positively sin. In fact, I feel like sin is a bigger list than we're aware of. I just, you know, Sean always talks about how, you know, sin isn't, you know, the commandment. Sin is any doing anything that God wouldn't do or anything that would disappoint God. And, oh, my gosh, how long is that list? But if I'm operating out of love, love for him or love for others, I can't love someone and sin against them at the same time. And so if my goal is love, then the opposite of my goal is not to sin. So I guess that's staying good. So I stay out of hell. But I feel like it benefits people so much more if I can express my love or show my love or, you know, live out love. And I feel like God digs that too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, um, you know, when you were, when you said that, let me tell you about this, you know, I, I want it sparked one of the, one of the best lines I was ever told was, um, yeah, I learned, I learned, I've never learned anything by talking. You know, yep. only by listening. But in that regard, typically the most important thing I'm going to need to hear today will come out of my own mouth. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Then he says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong and do everything with love. I feel like we've already answered this one. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely a continuation. There's definitely a theme. One of the things that jumped out at me about that was this, this idea that do everything we do in service to God, because anything we do for God is never useless, mm. you know? And so I know that a lot of people, not everyone benefited from 
like starting their own business like you and I had and like just pursuing our own thing and being our own, not everyone gets that chance. And so a lot of people feel like they're stuck in a job. They hate their job. They hate their coworker. They hate their boss. They hate their workstation. They hate their share. They hate their, right. And so like every day they go to work and they just feel like they're imprisoned every day at Mm -hmm. work and they can't wait to get off of work. And I feel like that, that, that philosophy or that position that we can sometimes take can be so destructive, not just like, you know, in the, you know, crappy eight hours that you spend at work, but then like who you are when you come home and like who you are to your kids or who you are to your spouse or what you feel like you need to do, what you need to do to unwind or to like pay yourself back or, you know, like, cause I, I feel like sometimes that's where we can get really destructive where we're like, I deserve this. I deserve to, mm. you know, I don't know go buy a bunch of stuff, or I deserve to look at dirty pictures, or I deserve to drink, or I deserve to, you know, whatever, right? That, you know, when we feel so trapped in our lives, that's a decision that we make. You know, it's like you wake up and you're like, crap, I have to go to work today. Mm-hmm. You know, and just this week, Sean and Sonny talked about the have to and get to thing. Like that's been around uh, these offices anyway for quite some time. Like stop looking at things that you have to do and start looking at them as things that you get to do. And so it seems like a clever turn of phrase, but it's more than that because it's, you know, it's a philosophy because you decide your mood, you decide your outlook. And if you give that control over to somebody else, then you're losing. Mm-hmm. And you've got no one to blame for losing but yourself. And so if you're saying like, oh, I, my boss is crappy, well, take that power back, you know, take, take the power back mm-hmm. and decide differently. You can decide differently. And so this idea of everything we do, we do, you know, for the glory and for the service of God makes it worthwhile. And, you know, it's a frame of mind. It's a state of mind and it's not a state of life. Right. I guess. Absolutely. Um, you don't, uh, no one for me can make me feel a certain way. You know, I, it's no one's responsibility to make me feel a certain way. If I allow someone to let me feel that way, um, that's again, probably on me. Yep. Um, so giving someone that much power, that's pretty, that's lethal. Yep. Giving someone that much power that my happiness depends on how they treat me. Or, or if they love me or if they don't love me or that's, gosh, that's a lot of power. And the sad thing is most times when you give someone that amount of power, they don't realize they have it, Yeah, you know? And yeah. when they do, if they do, they don't care. Right. You know, right. when someone cuts me off on the road and I, if I let that ruin my day, five seconds later, I bet you they, they don't care. Yep. I'm, I'm nothing to them. Right. You know, I'm, I'm insignificant in their story. Yeah. You know, so if I give someone that much power to ruin my whole day because they cut me off on a road, that's toxic and lethal, yep. and, but that's on me. Right. You know, that's not on anyone else. It's not on, I can't put that blame on anyone else when I'm pushing that blame on someone else. You know, it's really on me. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the flip side of that coin is like in our relationships, Cause you was also talking about like when, when I feel like my value comes from whether that person loves me, mm-hmm. I'm going to give them that control. That's also a lot of responsibility to put on the people that you love. Yeah. Right. So if you were crazy about your wife, which everyone should be, but then like you decide that you're only going to feel like you have value if she shows you love the way that you want to be loved. Right. Whether she makes you dinner or mm-hmm. folds your laundry or, you know, gives you a kiss, right? Like what an amazing weight to put on someone else to say, you're in control of whether I'm going to be happy or not. You're in control of whether I'm fulfilled or not. And you're not making me feel fulfilled. Well, holy crap. Yeah. Like that's not in the vows. Like I, I'm at a wedding every weekend and I've never heard those as part of the vows. I promise to hold you up, you know, and support you, you know, and not support you, but like, like physically support you, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a lot. And that's, that's why I feel like you know, because the second half of what Sean just said is like, do everything you do with love. And boy, is it in here or was it last week that he talks about charity and it's how last week? Okay, yeah. So like when he talks about charity, because <laughs> sometimes I do that and I give away the next thing and then we don't have anything to talk about. But <laughs> he talks about how 
how charity is a kind of love that does it without expecting anything in return. If we treat our relationships that way with our wives, with our kids, if we love them unconditionally without keeping, you know, a ledger of, well, here's all the ways that I loved you. And here's all the ways you didn't love me. You're clearly in the red here. Mm-hmm. Like that's no way to operate in a relationship either. But if we do things unconditionally out of love, regardless of what we get back, then there's a, nothing to keep track of, but there's no way to be disappointed. Mm. Yeah. But I felt God speaking to me with an urgency, asking, why are you trying to do what's always been done? He said, I've been showing you the formula for the past four months throughout this entire series over and over again. I've shown you examples of this early movement of Jesus, people who changed the world, who changed history forever by making their homes a sacred space by gathering in their homes for church meetings, by having their family and their friends in their homes to bring the life-giving, life-changing message of Jesus to them. He said depression is up. Anger is up. Substance abuse is up. Domestic abuse, child abuse, they're up. Because rather than taking this opportunity to turn their homes into a sacred space, they've shifted the responsibility for the spiritual atmosphere, climate, and destiny of their homes onto everyone other than themselves. He said, why are you trying to do what's always been done and get back into a building that allows people to hide their faults and flaws and skirt the responsibility of determining that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He said, it's not because you haven't been able to get into God's house. It's because God hasn't been able to get into your house. This was the, you know, this was the bomb. Yeah. So I, um, I don't know if people know this, but we, um, record his messages, uh, about two weeks in advance. Um, so I knew this was coming, right. Cause I was in the room whenever you see Sean or Sonny, I'm, I'm the guy on the other end of the camera. Um, so I'm in the room. Right. Um, so I knew it was coming. And then people might not realize this too, to, to actually edit what we see on a Sunday takes a significant amount of time. So by the time Sunday rolls around, I've heard the message seven ish, 10 times Mm. in between there. And I got the call up that I was going to be on chew on this about a week ago. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, I can do that. That's that's great guys. It's great. Which one? This one. I'm like, really? Yeah. Cause it's, a, it's a tough spot. You know, it's a spot. Um, it's a spot. Yeah. It's a very emotional spot. Some people, um, I, I would understand if they were upset. Um, and I would understand if they're happy. Uh, it's, it's a message that sparked a lot of emotion. Yeah, for sure. So let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, um, Sometimes when he gets uh, really passionate, he starts talking fast. And it's and but every word is gold. Like mm-hmm. I, and it's so like it's sometimes it's easy to, get to lose some of his words. But like this is something that th- this notion, although not in these exact words, are why what drew me to Life Church in the first place is this culture of you know we got to stop playing at church. We got to stop you know, like. Yeah. What I had said a long time ago, like just doing the things that we'd always done because that's the way they've always been done. Yep. This is the kind of carpet we get. These are the kind of chairs we get. This is what the pastor wears. This is what I wear. Right. Mm -hmm. And like you could go to any church, right. And just find the same thing. Baptist church, you know, Pentecostal church. I mean, it's just, I mean, they may change a little bit, but for the most part, you know, and we just did it that way because that's how we grew up because our parents did it that way. And they grew up that way because their parents did it that way. An old check the box situation. A check the box situation. Mm-hmm. I'm going through the motions. Yeah. That's, um, so I'll, if, if I relate to myself, um, I, I didn't get sober and clean in an AA meeting or an recovery meeting. Mm. Um, they going to recovery meetings early on, uh, was not what kept me sober. Had I treated a recovery meeting as my only place I was getting filled up, I would have run dry. Hmm. I would have, I would have burned out real quick. Um, I take recovery meetings like coming to church on Sunday. It's a check-in point. It's a, uh, if we're on a, if we're on our race, we all get to consolidate. We all get to high five. We all get to 
you know, oh man, this is, how, this is what's going on in my life. This yeah. is that, that, that yep, you know, yeah, yeah. it's like a party. Like I said earlier, it's like a party yeah. with your friends. If this is my only, if Sunday morning is the only place that I go to get fed, I will starve the rest of the week. Yep. So every single day I, I take the word every single day. I pray every single day. I meditate every single day. I'm getting as much God into myself as I can. Um, so yeah, if, if someone said, Hey, shutting the doors, really upset about that. I would rebut by saying, what are you doing Monday through Saturday? You know, what are you doing Monday through Saturday to get fed? And if you're doing for myself, if I'm actively chasing God, um, I don't really need a building to do that in. I like a building. I love a building to do that in. Because yep. I'll tell you, my closest friends now are from this building. Um, and and it, it sucks not seeing them. Yep. You know, it's, uh, it's, I, miss, I miss my friends. But then it's a little bit on me too. I got to... If I miss them that much, I got to reach out to them. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take work. Yeah. And we don't want to do, we don't want to do the work. Like I think about, cause I also was raised Catholic. Right. And for the most part, it feels like, and this is really boiled down. So if you're a Catholic and listening, I'm sure there's ways that I can be corrected on this. So I'm really oversimplifying things, but you could see why the, the, the casual attender, the person that comes every Sunday, right. But they're not, you know, they come every Sunday. Right. Where that faith, their faith is facilitated on their behalf, like by the priest, by the religious, you know, by the liturgy, like everything just kind of happens in front of them. Right. So they are a witness to it. But like and then they check out. Right. Like as long as I made it in before the priest said the opening prayer and I, I stay at least as long until he gives his closing prayer. Right then that counts for me. It counts as having attended mass or going to church. And that's all it takes for me to be a Jesus person is that a fact that I've gone to church and churches, whether it's the Catholic church or the Lutheran church or the other churches, right? Even, you know, non-denominational churches. If we've allowed our people to think that, then we've misserved the people for generations. So now the church is pulled up from underneath us like a rug and now people are feeling lost and fallen and floundering on the ground and they can't get up. Well, that's our fault. We under uh, equipped our people. Right. And I feel like we're complicit, you know, and so we in a big C. And so, you know, this idea of how, you know, life church and other churches are pushing small communities or small churches. Like Sean talks about this, like the, the way that the church took off in the first century was by six or eight or 10 people getting together at Joe's house. And they, you know, you know, they read some scripture, they talked about what Jesus had done and they talked about and worked together on helping out in their communities, right? How do we take care of widow Sue? And how do we take care of orphan Bobby? And how do we visit prisoner Bob, right? Like that's what they did. Right. Because that's what Jesus told them to do. They didn't rely on church. Let me, let me just give church some money and they'll just take care of it for me. They'll love my neighbors for me. If I can just give my tithes and my offerings, I don't really need to do it out of, because we didn't like to do the work. Now we have to do the work. God pulled the rug out or allowed the rug to get pulled out or whatever, however you want to look at it. Now we got to go back and do the work, the hard work, like you said, of reaching out to my friends that I just got to see every week anyway on Sunday because it was church. I knew I would see them there. Well, now you need to make or make arrangements to have a driveway date or a walking date or a golf date or, you know, whatever with your friends so that you can see them. And that's discipleship. You know, discipleship doesn't happen in the church library, you know, in burnt orange chairs. That's, that's hardly discipleship. Like when I think about the disciples, I think about like, like people that would walk 45 miles to the next town together or 150 miles or 300 miles, right? They would walk 300 miles to get to the next place together. Like they would, you know, they would walk and then they would like bed down at night and they would talk and they would wake up and they would talk and they would walk and they would talk. And like, that's discipleship. Discipleship is, like I said, doesn't happen in the church lawn library, not the laundry. That would be weird if you did in the church laundry. Mm. Anyway, discipleship. So it happens on driveway dates and golf dates and walk dates and, you know, spending time out in the woods or whatever. Like I'm, we're two dudes. That's how I'm thinking. But I'm sure the same thing is true. Like with two chicks that I don't know, walk on the Fox river trail or garden together or volunteer together, whatever. My point is, is that that church, that's church. Two people 
coming together in the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus is there. That sounds like church, right? And so pockets are really critical. I'm not trying to advertise pockets right now, but I'm telling you that's important to gather together the people that you love, the people that you'd invite over for your birthday party and say, Hey, come over and let's have some church together because that's what church looks like. It doesn't look like, you know, 500 people in a room. Well, I mean, it can be. Sure. It can be. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, full disclosure, um, that's, it's not my nature to socialize like that. I'm a very kind of, um, quiet person. Mm. Um, I know on Sundays I can be talkative and stuff, but that's, it's very tiring for me to be, um, talkative and social like that. So I, I, I get it. I get, Hey, that's just not uh, my personality isn't to invite people into my house and do that mm. because that's, that's my personality type. Um, I'm a very, uh, very, I don't want to say sheltered, but I definitely, um, I'm not a social butterfly mm. outside of large social settings where I have to be. Sure. Um, so I get it. And, and full disclosure, I, I didn't start the pockets church until like last month. Mm. And, um, I'll tell you, it's doing it helped a lot. It was, it was cool to, it's like having a conversation like this, you know, with yep. the discussion questions. I, I don't know who writes those discussion questions. Scott. I do. I read um, those questions. But if you like them, if you think they're bad, then it's, uh, it's Robbie. It's Robbie. Gotta, gotta be someone else then. <laughs> but you know, when we got, we got together, we watched uh, church and, um, all of our kids played in the basement and, and that was cool. Cause I mean, I'll be honest, since quarantine started, me and my wife both were, um, you know, like, well, what about the kids? You know, cause our kids ministry here is I'm yeah. literally second to none. And so if they're missing out on that, that's, that's a big reason why we came to the church was to yeah. raise our child in the church. Right. So if you remove the church setting, um, what does that mean? Does that mean I gotta, I gotta do it myself, <laughs> you know? Does that means I have to, I have to put on my 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 big boy pants and and disciple my own child. Yeah. And you know, boy, it's a lot easier when you have a really good pastor. It to really do is. it for you. It really is. But what even as good of a, even as good as pastors as we have here in our kids ministry, and even as much as they love your kids, do they love your kids more than you love your kids? <gasps> Sorry. I, I totally just did that because I nervously am playing with the I'm wondering why you were playing with the cables. Yeah. I didn't know that that was so short. Sorry if that like burst your eardrums uh, when that mic dropped. But anyway, maybe I can cut that out. Maybe I I'll would, cut this yeah, all yeah, out. Yeah, you're going to be able to duck that out for sure. So starting now. Just kidding. So, but like, so like you said, you know, put in your big boy pants, you know, mm -hmm. who are they going to listen to more? So it's like, you know, COVID also causes us to like alter how our kids are schooled, right? Like right. with actual school. And so that looks different. Even if they're, I don't know, even if they're hybriding, but for sure, if they're onlining, yeah. you know, some people have chosen to keep their kids out of the system altogether and just homeschool them. Right. Well, I mean, was there so wrong to home church them? You know, if we can homeschool them or if we can virtually, I mean, can't we virtually church them? Can't they watch, you know, pastor Dallas, you know, make illustrations that are so great for kids, right. To help yeah. them understand who they are to Jesus Christ. And then like, talk about that with them. I mean, I, yeah, let's, I mean, let's be real here. Uh, this whole quarantine thing might go on for a little bit, you know, do I want it to? No, I, I, I wish that the world was a really good place. And everyone was healthy yeah, yeah. and we didn't have fears like this. Um, do I think that the world deserved this? Probably, you know, if we are in fact believing that this life means something and it is a battle between good and evil, yeah. every now and again, God just has to say, time out. We're going to, we're going to start fresh here. Yeah. And yeah. So that's think that's where we're kind of at right now. Myself, I believe that, you know, we're at this moment, this turning point, you know, this, this God holding us accountable point. Right. Um, and I guess if I put that much pressure on anyone other than myself, 
they're they're always going to fail me. You know, if I put yeah. that much, like we spoke about earlier, you know, if I if my identity is surrounded about my profession, and I and, and I I'm, and then I be in a job that's terrible, if that's where my identity, where I put my identity to be, I'm going to be a miserable human being. You know, if I give my profession that much power to define who I am, I'm going to be a miserable human being. If I and adversely, if I, if I put that much power into one building to stand and for me to be able to go there and that's my identity, then I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail God. So yeah, I, I, at this moment in time and whenever God sees fit, I, I reason to believe that at some point in time, this will all go away yeah. in some form or another. And I believe that we'll have people in our building again at some form or another. But for the moment right now, if I take all of this and waste it and just kind of whistle in the dark to keep my spirits up, yeah. um, I'm going to, I'm going to fail myself. I'm going to fail God. I'm going to fail my kids. I'm going to fail my wife. So yeah, not the most qualified guy to be, um, to be church my kids probably, but I'm, the only guy they got yeah. and God sees me fit to right. be responsible for my two children. He, God sees me fit to do that. He, yeah. he assigned me those two, right? And he said, just lead them to me and they won't, they, they won't run. Right. That's my job right now. Will it be forever? I, I, I don't, I personally don't think so. I think at some point in time, they're going to be able to come back to a church and other people are going to help disciple my children and, but for right now, it's me. It's my wife. Yep. So, I mean, am I going to, am I going to, am I going to scream and shout about it and pout about it? Or am I going to take the job that God has bestowed upon me? Dare I say, blessed me with, and am I going to try and make the best I possibly can out of this situation? Because I mean, my most important ministry is the one at my home. That's it. It's the one I'm going to be graded out on. Right. You know, yep. amongst the other things that I, at the end of the day, I will be graded out on. I think a lot of my grade comes from how I treat my wife, how I treat my children and how I raise my household. So as you listen to what the Lord's been speaking to me, I want you to understand we aren't not in the building because we're afraid or because we're lazy or because we don't love church. It's hard not being in the building. Giving is down. We've had four staff members resign in the midst of this. And we miss seeing you every week. We miss the singing and I miss the stage. We miss the high fives and the hugs, the Jordans and the jokes. But it's pushing us to do what's best for you. It's pushing us to push you into creating a sacred space, a spiritual environment that'll see God, not me, fix your marriages and your finances and your relationship with your kids. And it'll ultimately break the codependent relationships some of you have with a church building rather than a relationship that's dependent on God. I feel like that covered a lot of things that we just talked about. Right. Correct. But one thing I just want to jump in on, because this is a big thing of mine too, but I'd be interested to hear your perspective. The The problem with about appreciating church, not for its community or its connection or the relationship with people, but instead for the show, right? For the, you know, really nice seats, for the yummy coffee, for the nice bathrooms, for the amusing pastor, right, for the super qualified, super talented worship band, all those things, there's nothing wrong with those things. But if that's why you come, and if that's why you, somehow if that's how you give or tithe, because you're like, oh, that was a good show. I'm, I was really good today. I'll, I'll give him an extra five bucks, because that was good, right? All those things can empty your faith of meaning, that if you put your stock in those things rather than, because like you said, those things are a celebration or a party, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not the substance. They're empty calories. They're whipped cream. I see where you're going with it. You know, where, you know, if we're, if we're in it, if we're in it all week, Monday through Saturday were the words you used, mm -hmm. right? We're in it. 
in it. So then when you see your friends and you can say, I totally read this this week, or I totally mm-hmm. did this this week, for sure, or I totally for sure. saw this this week. For sure. You know, then it's a celebration mm-hmm. and worshiping together. Like, I love that. Oh, I yeah. moved in mm-hmm. corporate worship, especially if it's one of my jams. Right. And so like, like reckless love, reckless love, reckless Although love. We've not done that here at this church. We haven't. No. Mm. Mm. Or holy water, <laughs> which really would be great. I don't know. Jonathan really doesn't listen to this podcast, so he's probably not. <laughs> Anyway, going to hear it. But anyways, that's kind of, it was kind of an inside joke amongst three of us that probably only three of us laughed at. (laughs) That's okay. Cause it's, this is my podcast. So anyway, but like, I just feel like, you know, all those things are like nice pieces. They're nice accessories. Mm -hmm. You know, like we all know like great churches. Like I think about even like the cathedral downtown, like it's a beautiful space. My gosh, that crucifixion in the front, right. And the rose window in the back. I mean, they're like amazing. Yeah. But God doesn't live in that window. God doesn't live in that painting. He doesn't live in our smoke show. He doesn't live in our chairs. He doesn't live in Sean's Jordans, you know, that he lives in us. Mm -hmm. And so I don't need to go to the cathedral. I don't need to go to life church, right. To find God. I can celebrate God and my relationship with him at life church or at the cathedral, but that doesn't, it's not the, it's not the thing. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're, yeah. I understand everything you said there. And, and, Hey, during worship, during, I mean, I feel the Holy Spirit move in that room. I mean, for no, and I don't want that to be like, as if we're like saying, oh, it's it's not, it's not here. It is. The Holy Spirit is 100% in this room. But it's there because we're worshiping. It's there because we're worshiping. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not there because in an inert object. It's there because we're, we're, you know, two or more gathering, you know, that there he'll be. Um, so yeah, I miss that. I, I miss that. I'm the, I'll tell you, feeling the Holy Spirit in that room with our church. Gosh, that's, that's a, that's a, one of my favorite places yeah, to be. I agree. Ever, ever. Um, I've had a lot of feelings and emotions in that room on that platform, uh, playing music for my Lord a lot. Mm. Um, do I miss that? Yeah, I absolutely miss the atmosphere, but I wasn't just feeding on that atmosphere. That wasn't my only bread for the week. Right. 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 So at this moment in time, God does not see it fit for that room to be full. Yeah. And that's not just us. It's like in the world. Right. 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 And you know, maybe when I get up there, I might, after I run through the simple questions I have for him, like aliens, yes, no, who did shoot JFK? Yes. You know, once I hit the big questions, right. I might say, why in 2020? I mean, really? But, you know, I can't worry about those things right now. So it's sad um, that, you know, being on the staff before prior to being on the staff, I mean, I volunteered every Sunday. You know? Yeah. So this has been a large part of my life for five years. Large part. Um, yeah, and I and I miss seeing all that. I miss seeing the people and that feeling and you know, the hazer, you know. <laughs> good yeah. music and a good message. You know, those moments where I could sit down next next to my wife in the auditorium and just hold her hand and on the way home talk about the message. Yeah. You know, and then when I w- when came on staff, those 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 moments didn't exist anymore because I'm running from here or there right. doing stuff on right. a Sunday. Right. And, uh, and that's because God trusts me with that. That's because God called me to it. And I miss that too. I have no answer f- other than that. Yeah. That it's, it sucks. I miss it. Yep. I miss it, but, you know, I got I to gotta work with what I got right now. You know, and... This is, this is what God wants. Hmm. Who am I to argue with that? Yeah. Who am I to say you're wrong, God? Right. How dare you, God? How dare you close this building down, right. God? Who am I? I would, I'd be foolish. We aren't going to come back to any gatherings in our De Pere building until at least January. And we're doing that because there is a life after this one. And we're trying to get you onto the right side of that instead of back into a building. And 
because we're standing firm in the fact that we're not here to build a church. We're here to build the kingdom. I'm going to let you start with this one. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine the pressure uh, that leadership had trying to come to this decision. You know, like the board and Pastor Sean and Sonny and, you know, department heads and everyone else. Like, I can't imagine what went into that. And, you know, there's ridicule on all sides. You know, there's, there's churches that are back together and those church leaders are, you know, condemning churches that aren't getting back together and calling them names and, you know, doubting their faith. But then if you decided to go, there's other ones that are like, why would you just throw around people's health willy nilly just so you could get back together and collect an offering? You know, there's like, there's criticism on all sides. And so, you know, when I have had personal conversations with Sean and that I don't mean to put myself like, Oh, and I meet special with him in the tea room or it's not like that, but like in passing or even like in staff meetings, when he's talked about it, it's always out of love for our people. You know, he's like, how responsible is it to get people back? You know? And so I don't know. I can't imagine how hard it was. And so, you know, in paying attention to what's going on in the world, there's a, you know, there's a handful of, you know, even bigger church communities that have decided not to get back together. Places like Elevation and Carolina and North Point and Georgia and Saddleback and California, a bunch of places, certainly bigger than Life Church, but like, they're like, you know, it's just, it's just not the responsible thing to do right now. And so I get it. It's hard, you know, and, but like he said, he's, that, that phrase we're here to build, we're not here to build a church or we're here to build a kingdom. That's been, that's been his thing since he got here. It's been on every wall since we've gotten here, you know, that that's, we're not here so that we get more people in a seat. Sean has said, you know, in a full room, these seats are even aren't for you. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, we didn't make these seats for you. We made them for the people that you're going to go tell. Right. And so there's this, you know, there's always been this shift in responsibility of, of, for our faith and our family's faith and our friend's faith that it should, it rests with us and that church is there to help as a support system and a resource, but not as the source, you know? And so when he talks about, you know, building a kingdom and not a church, I feel like this fits right in with that. And so there's things that we can do to build the kingdom. There's ways that we can be to be the kingdom starting with things like pocket churches and stuff like that. There's people that are hurting right now. There's people that are hurting and there's opportunities for you to help those people, right? So if instead of coming to church on a Sunday morning, maybe you go help somebody. Maybe you set time aside to make something for somebody. Maybe you, the world is upside down and it's created a bunch of need in people that you can meet. You've got something that can meet someone's need. And this goes back to, you know, that love thing that if I can just operate out of love consistently and perpetually out of love, then I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. <clears throat> well put. Well put. Um, hey, truthfully, and and I can't speak to much about anything but my own experiences. I have a heck of a lot more work not coming to church on a Sunday. Amen, I mean, brother. My gosh, I we do a lot of videos. Yes, I mean we do a, a lot of videos. Yep. Um, so I kind of chuckled when he said that the first time, I'm like, it's not easier for him. Like, yeah, trust me. It's not easier not going to church guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, God, what are we going to do with the time? You know, what are we going to do? It, I don't know. In my entire children's lives, they're five. Uh, my son turns, um, turns six on, on Friday. And, um, my daughter just turned four. Um, their entire lives, I've been very active in a church and, um, and I think that that was, was, and is very good. I mean, my, my reasoning for doing is because first and foremost, God has called me not by accident that I landed in this building, not by accident whatsoever. Um, God has called me to do these things, but then my children can see that serving Christ is very important. The most important thing. So 
on the Sundays where, you know, dad wakes up at 4am and he's out of the door before they wake up and I'll come home sometime in the first quarter during the Packer game Yeah, and exhausted because against my, against my nature, I've had to speak for the last several hours and be smiling, be very cheery and right. which isn't an act, but it's very tough for a person who's shy to do those things. Right. So I come back exhausted and I'll probably fall asleep on the couch. So my Sundays, my children have only known my Sundays to be that. Dad will come home. He's going to be really, really tired. He'll wake up sometime around two or three. He'll probably ask who won the game. Then he's going to probably eat. And uh, so they've never had a Sunday dad where it's just about hanging out with them and, and, and worshiping Jesus together. So I am kind of excited for this fall, you know? I think it when you rip the bandaid off and say, Hey, not until January. Yeah. I hope that tithes go up. I hope that, you know, I hope this building's here, you know, at the end of it, I hope that we survive it. Right. Right. Cause I think that that line was very important too. Yeah. You know, tithes are down. People are resigning. I hope the building survives it because the building, this church is so good. Yeah. so good for the community. Yep. It does so much good. But if this is the cards that God has dealt, um, I am look. I am looking forward to Sundays with my kids in the room and operating uh, as a father. I almost feel like it could be a, like a, I'm not saying this, like this is what God told me, but it, there's ways that you could look at it where it looked like there's a winnowing, right? That's what's, isn't that what happens like when you separate the wheat from the chaff? Isn't that winnowing? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a chafing. I'm not a farmer. Chafing is what happens when you run and you have big thighs. Cause I have that. I've reiterated that I'm a video editor, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, this thing where we're doing some separating, <laughs> right? Some pruning or whatever, right? Like I wonder if that, cause what if there are people that only gave because it was a good show, right? And now there's no show to give to yeah. or come to. So they're like, what do you need my money for? You didn't even give me anything. You know what I mean? As though the as though tithing is a transaction between you and the church, and that's mm. you know that's not it at all. Your transaction is with God. Your blessings come from God, mm. not from the church. And so, God's command to tithe or to give at your local church, the church is just like a you know, is like a third party in that. Mm -hmm. You know, like the like the title company mm -hmm. or something. I don't know. Yeah, right? no, that makes sense. Like the it's not it's not up to you to decide right. what they do with it. My right. only. My, my request is that you just give right. that to them and we'll sort that out. Right. And you know what? Like I've said this as I've tithed, I've tithed for years and years and years that, you know, when you get that question, well, what do they want to spend the money on? Well, I, I, I don't really know the, 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 the Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't tell me to question what they yep. spend the money on. If, if, if a church uses, uh, funds for whatever, you know, that's between them and God. And I would be much more concerned with that. You know, like I would be much more fearful in that exchange yeah. than what my tie is going to. Right. You know? Yeah, you're right. Cause that's not part of the command. It's also not part of the command. Like, you know, a tithe is a tie. This is a percentage, right? Like, you know, theologians will tell us or Bible scholars will tell us that a tithe is a 10% of, of, of your harvest. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a crappy harvest, that looks a lot less than it does when you have a great harvest. And so the Bible never says, unless there's a global pandemic and then you can cut back because mm -hmm. there's a lot of things you got to cut short. Well, here's the thing, like we're on the subject of tithing. Um, if, if you do an action, you'll get a result, you know, the, that scientific method of, yes. you know, and so my, I've always, I'm very systematic. I'm very, I like things to, I don't like curveballs. Yeah. Right. So if I give, I am blessed. And in my life, and it, you know, if it hasn't happened in yours, I can't, I can't attest to that. But in my life, it has. Yeah. I do what God tells me to do, and he has rewarded me more so than I've ever, yeah. ever deserved, yeah. right? And that's grace. Um, so if, if doing action A gives a result B, why would I stop doing you know, action A? You know, why would I stop doing that? Yeah. Because I know the result B is going to happen. I, I would have to, you know, if someone says, hey, life's 
da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da right now. It's, well, what, what are you doing that's different than you were doing months ago yeah. to get that result? Um, what haven't you done ever that could get you a different result? It's like working out. You know, if I, if, I, if I work out every day and I eat right, I will get a result. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yep. You know? Yep. So if my life's the same way, if I do the work, I will get the results. And for some, you know, it's tough to swallow the pill of the work is sometimes just giving your money and doing as God has instructed you to do. Yeah. And you'll get the results. You will get the results. In my experience, and again, I don't think I'm a rare case. I don't think I'm an exception to the rule. I think I am the rule. Yeah. That in my experience, doing what God has told me to do has always yielded great results. Yeah. Same. Right. That's good. Okay. That's it. That's it? That's it. You did great. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us on Chew on that. Uh, I hope that you uh, got something to take away in this message. If you thought that there was good stuff that you want other people to hear, please share this podcast with family and friends. You can also encourage them, or you can subscribe to Chew on that on all your favorite podcast platforms. We do this each and every week uh, after the sermon. And so if you find that you know you just want more after hearing Sean's message, you want to dig deeper, this is the great place uh, to do that. Keith, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here. I hope we can come again sometime soon. That would be great because I really enjoyed our conversation. That's it for this time. We'll see you again next time for Chew on That.